We are back for another episode on the Up and Up. Nina, how you feeling? I am so excited. So let's go ahead and dive in. Megan and Dereden is an Atlanta-based abstract artist with a creative curiosity for design that sparks joy. Her affinity for art has been a dear and lifelong companion, with her earliest memories smattered with smocks and every colorful treasure a girl could paint her world with. It was during her time in college at Georgia Tech where Meg realized art may be something more than just a hobby. As she considered what it would look like to launch her business full-time, Meg had to dig deep within herself to really align on what would bring her the most joy and fulfillment, both in life and in her career. Meg's infectious joy and energy is seen and felt in her work and in every room she enters. Her deepest hope is that her warmth continues to reverberate beyond the studio and into the hearts and the homes of her collectors. We are so excited to have Meg on the Up and Up, and this is an episode you do not want to miss. Okay, Meg, we are so freaking excited to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. I feel like this is so funny looking back at the fact that we knew each other in Augusta in high school. And now (laughs) here we are all these years later, reconnecting and recording a podcast like my mind is blown. (laughs) And I'm so, so happy you're here. And I'm so happy even Jamie and you guys got to connect earlier today and I had so much FOMO. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for making the connection. I'm so excited for this episode. Yes. And I echo everything Nina said. I mean, it was so fun to connect with you today and talk about art and all the things that you're doing. And I just know it's going to be a great episode. Okay, so jumping right in, we want to hear where and when did this passion for art and creativity for you first begin? So my creativity has been a lifelong companion. I found it somewhere within the depths of my mom's craft bins (laughs) and uh, just carried it with me my whole life. But it was one of those things where I thought nothing of it because it just felt so natural to me. I was picking out paint samples for the house with my mom when I was like six or seven, furniture, artwork, like you name it. I just loved color and design and I thought everybody did too. So moving through my life um, in middle school and high school, I don't know if y'all remember the big push for STEM, um, but that was like all the rage. And I think now it might be STEAM. They added the A for art, but that wasn't there when I was going through school. So although my creativity hummed in the background of my everyday life, I really pushed myself into this STEM field. All of my siblings are wicked smart. They're oriented that way. I went to this private school that I was just surrounded by these incredibly motivated peers. And so I kind of hopped right in and tried my best to keep up. Um, And next thing I knew, this little artist was at the Georgia Institute of Technology for college. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm finally doing it. I'm going somewhere. I'm part of STEM, living my best life. Not really. (laughs) And when I got to Georgia Tech, those were the most like incredible, confusing and transformative years of my life. Um, 
you know, I was chasing this corporate trajectory, like all of my peers, but I was secretly moonlighting as an artist. So when all the homework was done and nobody was looking, my truest self was coming out. And I just kind of assumed everybody was probably doodling in their dorm rooms like I was during their free time. <laughs> um, and I started painting for friends after hours and then friends of friends. And by the time I'd graduated and started my full-time job, my nine to five, I had a full-blown client list that I was working with after hours and on the weekends, which was absolutely wild. So after about six months of living the corporate life, I was graduated, doing my thing. I took a leap of faith to pursue my art full-time. And four years later, I'm here with you sharing my story. I love that you talked about different stages in your life and how like the passion kind of progressed through that. Um, So thinking back to your childhood and growing up, are there any prominent lessons that you feel like have really impacted the way that you view life and work and the world, just your outlook? Okay, so let me go ahead and set the scene. I had graduated Georgia Tech and I was working what I thought was my dream corporate job. So this company had some name recognition on campus. You know, it sounded sparkly and important and exactly what I wanted to sign up for. I had interned there. I did case competitions for them. So after my four years at Georgia Tech, getting this job offer was like the golden ticket. I did it. I'm done. Like, end of story. Here I am. And I was six months into this dream job that I was so excited to have. And I was miserable. It was absolutely the worst. So to answer your question, what steps did I take in order to find myself? Well, step one was hit rock bottom. Uh, (laughs) I felt like I was waking up and squeezing into the suit that had been tailored for somebody else's body, for somebody else's life. And I couldn't breathe. Like I was chasing after something that was marketed to me that I was supposed to want And I was waking up every single day uninspired and unmotivated to keep going forward. Like this just was not my calling. Um, So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I'll take a moment. And you are so sad. I just want to say that there's so much hope and that you have completed the very first step to finding your true happiness. Like once you hit rock bottom, it's only up from there. So my second step after that was I quite literally wrote a list. So I made a little list of KPIs, key performance indicators of what my life would look like if I was successful and happy on my own terms. So this list can look different for anybody. It could be um, money they want saved in the bank. It could be um, people that they get to collaborate with, projects they want to complete. But for me, and I'll never forget, the very first line item on this list was I wanted to light up when I spoke to people about my work. And when I found myself living a life where when people asked me what I did every day, I had a smile that I couldn't wipe off my face when telling them, I would know that I did it. Like I had done it. I'm there. I'm happy. Um, Because that just wasn't where I was. So I made a list of like five to 10 things. And then my third step was to begin again. I realized in looking at this list in front of me that my current life I was living had absolutely no overlap with the list I had made for the life that I wanted. 
Um, the only thing maybe was the fact that I was moonlighting after hours as an artist. So I kind of had that going for me, but I knew I needed it full on. Like that was my one sliver of joy. Um, the thing that I really felt was filling my cup. So in order to begin again, it started with a phone call that changed my life. Um, I had another just uninspiring day at work and I was walking home and I called my mom. It's pouring down rain. I'm like taking my heels off, walking through the streets of Atlanta to get home and I'm sobbing. And I just told her, I was like, mom, I realized like I'm not living, I'm not living the life I'm called to be. I think I need to be an artist. And my mom told me, okay, show me your business plan. And so I went home, I drafted up this business plan for the life trajectory I felt that I needed to realign to. And on August 10th, 2018, I got this second lease on life. And for the next four years, I made these little lists and had these little checkpoints with myself to keep me on the path of where I felt called to be and who I felt called to become ultimately. I just want to highlight specifically what you said on the number one line item on your KPIs of your own happiness. And it was when someone asked you what you do for a living, you wanted to light up and a smile to come across your face. <laughs> I think about how many of us are living that life where when someone asks us what we do for work, it's like, rah, boring, like we're completely <laughs> yeah. uninterested or not fired up and enthusiastic and excited about what we're doing. And I think that is such a good thing to just pause on and ask yourself that question of when someone asks me what I do, how I spend my time every single day, what's my reaction? What is my response? So I really, that really hit home with me. That's awesome, Meg. I love that you emphasize that, Nina, because Meg, literally, as you were talking, I started to think of the different roles that I've done. And I started smiling, thinking about the ones that I smiled for. And I just, I don't know, it's such an important point to make of like, you want to be happy and joyful and like aligning with what you're pouring into. So seriously, great, great point. Um, kind of like within that realm, um, I think of what you shared about, you know, I did X, Y, Z, I did STEM, I went to Georgia Tech, all these things. Um, and I think it's safe to say a lot of times when we're making big life decisions, we're seeking a lot of input from other people, right? We're doing, or we're doing things that we think that we should be doing. And so I want to ask you, like, how do you or someone just give themselves permission to be and do exactly what they want to do? Like what, what does that really look like? So I think the biggest thing for me is I just had to stop looking to my left and my right and start looking inward. Um, Whoever's listening to this right now, I'm sure that there is one person that comes to mind or a small group of friends that you secretly need this approval from before you make a decision, before you put on that outfit, before you apply for that job, before you buy that home. And if you are waiting for this green light from somebody else, you could be waiting for a very, very long time. And I mean, I'll challenge you. If you are waiting for a green light, the one person that can give it to you right this second is yourself. Um, but you know, I will say there is a little bit of a trap here, Nina and Jamie. I think that sometimes people are waiting for permission because they secretly know it's going to delay this big life change. And I think a lot of us cling to permission to 
buy us time because we're afraid. Um, as soon as you make that decision, you say it out loud, you take agency and over like ownership over what you want permission for it starts your life begins and it's scary and it's a wild, wild ride. Um, and so I think I would just encourage people, um, don't wait, don't wait for that permission. Don't try to find comfort in this lull as you are between the life that you have and the life that you want and just jump, say yes to yourself. Like, what are you waiting for? I feel like if I took some of the advice I got, um, back when I was trying to make this decision for myself about becoming an artist, honestly, you guys, I would still be sitting at a desk. Heck, I would probably be working after hours right now. Art would be so far out of my life. And um, yeah, I think the greatest gift I ever gave myself was not waiting for somebody else to say, okay. I mean, even my mom, when I called her to tell her, I had already made the decision and she encouraged me and said, all right, next step, make your business plan. You know, there was no permission. I had already given it to myself. So um, to anyone listening out there, just give yourself that gift and start today. Meg, I, you just literally changed my life with that statement. Like (laughs) the whole, like, I literally am sitting here like, oh my gosh, I really have to like sit down with this. Um, The whole permission thing, that is such a good point of like, why are you really seeking that permission? Like what's that underlying layer? And like the thought that it could be part of like the subconscious delay for like fear of making a decision. Whoa, 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 Meg, you just like changed my world. I'm going to need a minute. Um, let's talk a, a little bit about fear. What fears did you have to overcome to become who you are today in your artistry and as a business owner? I think that this might be like the simplest answer but it's so true. I had to stop wondering if people would quote unquote, like it, (laughs) like if they would like my artwork, if they would like who I was becoming or this like new weird um, life trajectory I was on. But most importantly with my art, I had to get over the fear of pouring myself into a body of art, showcasing it to the world and then people not loving it. I think you actually trip yourself up when you focus on other people when you're creating this work, especially in the creative realm, whether it's music or photography, the best artists are making for their own spirit. And once it satisfies your own spirit, it's beautiful in your eyes. You see your story in your own work. You ignite this fire that attracts all other forms of light. It is, it's incredible. And I've noticed that in my own career, when I was able to work in such a way where I didn't care if people liked it or not, I knew that I loved it and I saw myself in it. All of a sudden it was my sold out collection. All of a sudden it was an art show where the room was full shoulder to shoulder. Um, It's just, I think that's such a unique thing that when you're truly creating in such a way that resonates with who you are, it just attracts people. You know, your whole vibe attracts your tribe <laughs> mantra. That's so true in the creative world. It's true even in the business world. I think when you're passionate about what, what you do, people want to start working on your team. People want to start buying your product. People look at you and they say, that girl's on fire. I want what she's having. 
So I think that was the biggest fear I had to overcome was walking into a room, giving it my all exactly as I am and people not liking it. Because as soon as I stopped being afraid, that's really when the magic happened. As you talk about facing your fear and pursuing what lights you up and makes you passionate and fires you up and how people see that energy and they gravitate towards it and it excites them too. That's something that I see so prevalent in you, Meg. Like you are such a sunshine ray of light, ray of energy, of joy. And I see that beaming and like manifesting from you. And it is truly so encouraging. So I just wanted to share that with you because that is such a testament to who you are and watching you chase what you're passionate about. I see that and just the way that you show up for others and the way that you radiate joy. And I want to ask you in that same way of facing your fear, so much of that requires getting out of your comfort zone because it's easy to stay where we're comfortable. It's easy to stay where things are convenient and easy. So tell us a little bit about how you actively choose not to settle in life and what does it look like tangibly to continuously push out of your comfort zone? Not settling in life is actually way harder to do than I think people realize because it requires you to consciously consider every aspect of your life. I think quitting my job was like the biggest life shift I could have ever gotten myself into. Like it was the most uncomfortable thing to do. And after being able to do that, I was like, wait, if I can do that, what are other things that I have just kind of let slip to the wayside that, you know, I can align to be closer to my spirit that might push me out of my comfort zone that won't allow me to settle. So I kind of did an overhaul on my entire life. And one of the things I do is I create these monthly bucket lists and they're both for personal and for pleasure, but it basically makes me look up from my workspace, look around and say, all right, what are we settling for? You know, where do we want to be moving in the next 30 days? Who do we want to be reaching out to? What cities do we want to explore? Um, What are some challenges that might actually enable me to pour back into my work better That is one thing that I always encourage people to have is to have a hobby or to start experimenting with something that's so out of their normal day to day, because I think that will re-energize you and fill your cup in such a way that you're then able to pour out into others, into your family, into your work. So definitely the bucket list has been super, super helpful and, um, not considering that things are too out of left field for you to try. (laughs) So we just went to New York this past weekend. I've never done that as a young adult and I always wanted to, and that was on my bucket list. Um, I have a dancing class that I'm signing up for this month. I love dancing, but I've never actually been like formally trained. So it's just silly things like that, um, that kind of make you come alive and they force you not to settle. So Nina and Jamie, I challenge you to show me your lists after this podcast and let me know how it goes. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I want to hear what's on your list. I know. What is a dream or a goal? Just give us one that you have on the list for this year on your bucket list. Okay. Okay. So I have 
one bucket list item that has me reaching out to a high profile designer that I've been following for years. And I've always told myself, like, she's way too cool to ever want to look twice at my work. And then I realized I was the one not giving myself permission. So I wrote her name down on the list and that email is going out next month. (laughs) I literally love that. I love that you're pushing yourself to do these things, right? Like keeping yourself accountable almost, right? For like stepping into all of that. Okay. Another thing that I want to know is what is the most rewarding part about your work and running your own business? Because I mean, when we chatted and connected, I was able to share with you that like I had done art in the past for like a very small stint um, in my life. And it is rewarding, but it's, you know, it also comes with its challenges. But I wanted to hear from you what really speaks to your heart. I absolutely love having a job that creates tangible outputs that move in the world. Um, I think that's like the coolest thing. I remember in college, I was really jealous of the industrial design students because at the end of the semester, they're carrying around these like huge contraptions that they designed themselves and they're about to showcase them. And meanwhile, I had some, you know, slide deck that was going to disappear into the abyss of my Google Drive at the end of the semester. Um, And I, you know, I just really value tangible outputs of your own spirit. So that honestly has been so rewarding. And then in a similar vein, the human connection behind my work. I've had the honor of telling so many people's stories on Canvas over the last four years. And I think that their stories have changed me for the better. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but sometimes I will do a live wedding painting. So I've gone to some of my clients' weddings and captured their love on canvas. I've created artwork for nurseries. I've done um, pieces in memory of people that have been loved and lost. So there's been just so much beauty and depth and humanness in the work that I've been able to create that covers the whole spectrum of emotion. That's not necessarily something I had at my desk job. Um, Emotions were not as prevalent in my day to day, but I'm a really emotional person and I, you know, get to really pour my spirit into my work and getting to connect with my collectors and clients over the year in such an intimate way has truly been like the greatest gift I could have ever asked for. That really hits home with me, Meg, because it is so much more to you than just about making money and having a job. It is about knowing your clients and knowing them intimately and knowing their lives and being a part of whatever season of their story they're in, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a baby being born or a wedding. Like those are all massive moments mm-hmm. that happen in someone's life. And you get to be part of that and walk with them through it. And give them, like you said, this tangible output that they get to look at and hold on to and physically touch. That is such a gift. And uh, there's nobody better equipped to to do that than you. So that's really, really (laughs) encouraging. So you touched on this a little bit earlier as we were talking and you were saying how you really had to stop looking to the left and to the right. So as a business owner, tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that. How did you learn to put blinders on and truly not compare yourself to other people because there 
plenty of artists out there. There's a ton on Instagram, I'm sure. And I'm sure it could have been really easy to constantly compare. So how have you avoided that and really disciplined yourself to put your blinders on? I don't know if y'all are familiar with the expression, comparison is the thief of joy, but it is so true. And I think that's why sometimes people feel like we're moving through this joyless world. It's because we hop on our phones and we're scrolling and we're comparing all day, which there's so many other ways to use social media, like for celebration, for sharing, but there is a lot of comparison. Um, During the pandemic, I had to work from my parents' basement that has no cell reception or Wi-Fi. And I found myself not scrolling because I literally couldn't during the day. So during my workday, instead of taking a little break and comparing a little bit more on my phone, I just hung out with my paints and my canvases, like took a breath, listened to some music maybe, and then kept working. And in that season, working without cell reception, alone with my paints, I made some of the best work I've ever created. And just because it resonated with me, I wasn't being influenced by anything I was seeing visually. That's one thing I don't know if people really realize is you are consuming so much more than the content that's right in front of you. You're consuming color palettes. You're consuming narratives. You might even start mirroring somebody else's spirit. It's just so easy to do, um, especially when you're new. So over the years, that hasn't been too much of an issue for me anymore. Um, I think it goes back to kind of knowing who you are and showing up and not caring if people like this or that, just being yourself. But if you find yourself in that season, the biggest suggestion I could probably share is mute absolutely everybody that's in your field. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't check in on them every now and again or celebrate with them, but you won't be consuming their stuff mindlessly all day. Instead, I would encourage you to follow content creators that are in like adjacent fields. So if you're an artist, maybe you should be following chefs or interior designers um, or travel bloggers. You know, I think social media is also a really wonderful thing because you can be inspired and feel certain things and learn so much. Um, But, you know, there can also be that dark side where you're looking once again to your left and your right and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's doing that. Should I be doing that? Who are you trying to keep up with? (laughs) Like, I remember growing up before social media, I thought I was running this race alongside my siblings who are just all stars. And spoiler alert, one became an artist, the other became a doctor, and the other became a rocket engineer. So who in the world thought we were running the same race? We weren't. (laughs) Like they were completely on their own trajectory. So I guess my overall advice is to enjoy the company of your peers and your colleagues cheer them on in their victories, but move at your own pace and on your own path and in the direction that points you towards your calling, um, you know, with your little blinders on. So I'm the prize. Just keep doing you and stop scrolling whenever you can help it. (laughs) Stop scrolling. I can't even speak to the social media because we'll be here for two hours because I love to talk about it. But I agree with everything you said of just staying focused, staying in your lane doesn't mean you can't cheer on other people and like gain inspiration from your left and your right. But I love the emphasis to keep your blinders on. Um, 
I also, Meg, I wanted to hear from you. So I know like being, I'd like to say I'm a creative soul myself. Um, and I think, <laughs> you know, there's a stigma that creatives are kind of just all over the place and like lack discipline and all of these things. So as someone who is a creative, is an artist, is managing their own business, their own days and months, um, what does that look like? What like habits and disciplines did you have to put in place to make sure that you stay focused? I love that question because honestly, I was so lost the first few weeks after quitting my job because it, there was so much structure. So in my nine to five, I was completely free until 9 a.m., you know, rolled around and then up until five and then I was off the clock and having fun. But I had structure in my days and now as an artist without any structure and I was like, what the heck do I do? And I have to say my secret sauce over the years and especially in this last year, I have found the joys of bookending your days with habits. So I've been slowly building to this routine and tweaking here and there, but my morning routine is like a spiritual thing for me. Like I have to do it and I could feel the effects if I don't. And then I always end my days the same. So this can look kind of different, but for me in the mornings, I love to wake up before my husband. So the house is completely quiet. I'll journal, maybe do a devotional. I always have to make my bed. If you are a follower of me, you know I eat the same breakfast like every day. I make these things called lemon eggs. I don't know if y'all have seen them on my Instagram, but that is actually part of my routine. Um, and then I will do all of this before ever touching my phone. So that's been super important. And then at the end of the day, I clean the entire apartment and I have to clean my studio so that the next morning, you know, it's fresh and clean and I don't have that mental fog around working in a messy space. I do a skincare routine, no phones before bed. And then most importantly, I make a list so that as soon as I wake up the next morning, I know exactly where the rest of my day is going to go. So nothing too crazy. Um, it's funny. I feel like I went from a lot of structure in the middle part of my day with my nine to five. And then I reversed it where my structure is at the beginning and the end of my day. So then I could be creative when the sun's out and working, listening to music, do whatever. But I know exactly how I'm going to start and exactly how I'm going to end. The start to your day and the end to your day is everything. I used to wake up and immediately grab my phone and check Instagram, check social media and check email. And I would kind of woke up from this and I was like, wait, why am I starting within the first five minutes of my day looking at my long to-do list with an email and then looking at other people's lives? So that's so important. Everything you said about starting, looking at your day and how are you starting it? How are you ending it? And I also love to do the same as you of like mapping out the next day, because that way, when you wake up the next morning, you already know what your day is going to look like. And so doing that work ahead of time. But okay, so the, for those who don't follow you, but are going to after this episode, of course, what are lemon eggs we need to know? So this is my own creation. I'm very proud of it. That actually came from not having like ingredients for normal breakfast. Um, and I had an egg, like literally an egg. I had a lemon and I had like old arugula from a salad I made um, later that like earlier that week. And so I thought to myself, like, okay, what if I threw this all on a piece of toast and like try to make a vinaigrette or something, whatever, it's going to be disgusting. Let's just try it because I'm really hungry. 
and it ended up being amazing and I've slowly made it the bougiest breakfast so I buy (laughs) artisanal bread and I toast it I put goat cheese on there and then to top it all off you squeeze half of a lemon so like one to two tablespoons of lemon juice on there add a fried egg and it's fantastic y'all have to try it (laughs) wow okay I will try this and get back to you everyone tune into the up and up podcast Instagram for (laughs) feedback (laughs) for how this goes oh man okay so we're almost to the end and one thing we want to hear before we jump to our final question with you is what is something right now in your life Meg that you are learning that you think that somebody else really needs to hear I think the hardest lesson I've adopted recently, like in the last two or three months, is sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed up. I think that time of just being quiet and still can kind of allow you to really think clearly and make that mental list of how to move forward. I think sometimes you get so caught up in the craziness and you feel like the faster you move, the better things are going to go. And, you know, we just live in such a fast paced life, but sometimes you really do just need to take a beat, figure out how you fill your cup, go visit your grandparents, go stay in an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere. Take that trip. You've always been dying for tuck your phone away, close your emails and just sit with yourself in order to be able to pick up speed again. So that's something that I've really needed to learn, especially as a business owner. Um, you can kind of get trapped in this mindset that if you're not working, you're not progressing because I'm not salaried. So obviously, if I'm not painting, the bills aren't getting paid. But I've realized that if I slow down enough to really have thoughtful and mindful rest, I can come back to my paints and my canvas and all my supplies with a completely renewed spirit and create work that is just so much more abundant than I would have if I just kept pushing through. So taking a beat, finding your rest, slowing down to speed up. I think you hit the nail on the head of like, there's so much wisdom and inspiration that can be found when you do take it one step at a time because you are allowing space um, to help you speed up, right? To help you gather all the things that you need to, to continue on. So I love that, Meg. Final question for you in true up and up fashion. What is keeping you up? So what is something positive that keeps you moving forward, grounded, excited, what have you? Okay, shameless plug, but my studio playlists are amazing. <laughs> I feel like I'm always like pushing them onto people, but this is something I'm actually so passionate about is um, completely resetting my mindset with music. And I'm convinced that any song can take a bad day to being a good day. And I have carefully curated (laughs) the best collection of songs that keep me upbeat, positive and focused when I'm working in my studio. Um, I'm just, I never thought that I was a music person until I started slowing down. And now I've realized that there are certain anthems that will quite literally make me a different person. So if you find yourself needing a little pick-me-up, my spring studio playlist is definitely worth a listen. Actually, any of my playlists. I have a playlist literally titled Going, and I listen to it when I need to get in a headspace of 
going on an adventure or getting up and getting my day started or just physically moving my body. I have one for gratitude. I have one um, that's titled, I think it's like hair down, windows down or something silly. It's specifically for when I need to go take a drive and clear my head. So give it a listen. It's what keeps me grounded. It's what keeps me up. And uh, hopefully it helps some of my listeners as well. <laughs> we have a lot of homework. We have playlists to listen to and lemon eggs to try. <laughs> this is seriously, Meg, been so much fun. I've learned so much from you. Constantly so inspired by you and the way that you show up for yourself and for others um, and just bring that ball of energy and joy and life into the world. So thank you. Thank you seriously so much for being on this podcast with us. Well, it was my honor to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please connect with us on our Instagram at theupandup.podcast. We would love to hear from you.